0: I think that your kids are going through a period where they're really developing their sense of self. When they can move through that and feel your support without enmeshment, there's a sense of confidence. There's a sense of trust in oneself that develops that is really important and key for our children as they move into adulthood.
1: Hey friends, welcome back to the Joyful Courage podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and a conscious human on the wild ride of parenting. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline lead trainer, parent coach, and mom walking the path right next to you as I imperfectly raise my own two teenagers. Joyful Courage is all about grit, growth on the parenting journey relationships that provide a sense of connection and meaning and influential tools that support everyone in being their best selves today's show is an interview and i encourage you to listen for how grit shows up as my guest and i tease things apart thank you so much for listening i am deeply honored to lead you i'm grateful that what i put out matters to you and i am stoked to keep it coming. Thank you for who you are and for being in the community. Enjoy the show. My guest today is Alana Carvalho. Did I say that right, Alana? Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Alana is a licensed mental health counselor who focuses on helping parents, couples, and individuals build balanced relationships by releasing old patterns and becoming more authentic. She is especially passionate about helping individuals see how healing, codependency, and perfectionism can lead to a more joy-filled life. Alana has lectured on child development at the College of Staten Island. Her first book, Raising Empowered Children, The Codependent Perfectionist Guide to Parenting, is now available on Amazon.com. Alana maintains her private practice in Midtown Manhattan and is currently seeing clients virtually. You can connect with her through her website, Instagram, podcasts, or you can email her at Alana at Alana Carvalho. Did I say it right that time?
0: It's good to say it that way. So people know there's an H in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dotcom.
1: <laughs> Listeners, you know, all the links will be in the show notes. <laughs> Hi, Alana.
0: Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm so happy. This has been a long time coming, I feel like. I was intrigued by your Instagram handle, which is the codependent perfectionist, and it drew me right to you and your work and so much of what you're creating lands so deeply for me. Can you paint us a picture of what a codependent perfectionist looks like? And I have to say I'm hoping that I'm not going to resonate too hardcore with it.
0: <laughs> you may. I mean, I'll I'll give myself as an example because um you know, I call myself the codependent perfectionist and I do that because I want people to understand that that this is my journey as well. I'm a therapist, but I'm also in recovery from codependency and perfectionism. And what I kind of looked like pre therapy, pre my own therapy, was somebody who really just kind of said yes, like didn't really know how to say no to people, whether it was something big or something small. I was someone who tried to fix other people and felt like it was my responsibility to make sure people weren't struggling or if they were that that I gave advice and tried to make it different for them. Um, And, you know, of course, I, I had no concept of what it meant to put up boundaries with people. So I was kind of accepting all sorts of different types of behavior and not really considering like, you know, what my needs were. And what I didn't want from other people, and how I could speak to them about it, or you know, let them know that I'm not not okay with something. Um, I was terrified of doing that, terrified of saying no or making people feel bad. Um, so that's kind of how my codependency manifested for the most part, and, and also feeling other people's feelings. You know, just a lot of enmeshment. And then in terms of the perfectionism piece for me, like the, the most basic way of saying it is really just holding ourselves to unrealistic standards. Our standards are too high. And that was me, too. You know, I would be the type of student that would be stressing out to try to get an A because they just needed to have that A um, and, and just making life much more difficult with, you know, our ex- the expectations that we have of ourselves.
1: So yes, I do see myself <laughs> inside of that for sure. And I, you know, I'm I'm pretty um well I before I go there, tell me about like what drew you to kind of tease this like what was your bottom, you know, what was it that got you to recognize like, ooh, this is something I need to is not working for me.
0: Well, I talk about in my book how I really suffered from kind of a low level depression, I would say my whole life throughout my childhood um, into my teen years and then my early adulthood. And I went to see a therapist actually more so not because of that, which is probably why I should have gone. But I went to see a therapist because I I knew I wanted to become a therapist one day. and, And that was really like the impetus for me going. But uh, what I recognized there was the fact that I was suffering from a low-level depression. That I that I did have these issues of codependency and perfectionism that were very much contributing and a part of that depression that I was experiencing. So, for me, um, when I recognized that, it was like, wow, you know, it was just such a big awakening on my part.
1: I am really interested in the codependency piece. Mm -hmm. Um, I led a group of parents a few years back and one of the moms used that phrase a lot. It was not necessarily a phrase that I had any real great understanding of. Mm -hmm. And I still kind of feel like I don't totally grasp codependency. Um, And I I think I do. And I want to understand better because as you know, my my listeners are parents of tweens and teens. And I feel like, man, it is a slippery slope, that tendency to be codependent. Can you define what it looks like in the context of parenting?
0: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so this is primarily what I what I also speak about in the book, which is codependency and parenting can look like us as parents, and I'm a parent myself, so, you know, this comes up for me, of course, as well, when we have trouble kind of seeing the the separation or the boundary between ourselves and our children. So like, for example, if our child is going through something really difficult, we're seeing it almost as our experience, rather than seeing it as their experience, you know, like we're having our own emotional reaction to it. And perhaps a meshing into that and then blurring the lines between like what is mine and what is theirs or um, we're struggling to allow our children to experience hardship or difficulty which of course happens a lot in the the teen and tween years you know Mm -hmm. and so we can be compelled to try to fix things for them or change things for them and perhaps one of the ways I see it you know the most is with parents that are trying to get their children not to feel feelings that they have, you know, or what we refer to as helicopter parenting, where they're kind of like swooping in and, and trying to fix everything. And, and I myself actually really saw how this manifested in parenting when I was doing a group for parents of teens who had substance abuse and mental health issues. Yes. Yes help oh god and you know i i really feel for parents who are going through that struggle i mean it's immensely challenging so you know it's understandable that when your kid is going through something that significant of course you want to you want them not to have to go through that you want them not to feel the pain and, and the struggle of what they're going through but what I noticed was that what the parents in this group were doing was actually dysfunctional for their children because they weren't allowing their children to, to learn how to independently in some ways move through the experience with of course, the course of support of their parent. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not to say like, I think that's where codependency gets confusing. People think I'm saying like, okay, you, you just like abandon your child and let them do it on their own. No, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and I imagine we'll probably get into some of that. But what I am saying is that, no, you want to be supportive and loving, but not in a way where you're so entrenched in the experience that you can't, you you can't function well yourself or, you know, you're constantly in a high state of stress or, you find yourself just constantly worrying about your children. That's where it becomes really dysfunctional.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays, and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days, followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every... Meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to Factormeals.com slash Joyful50 and use code Joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code Joyful50 at Factormeals.com slash Joyful50 to get 50% off.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
1: Do you feel like it's it's nuanced, right? Because I'm thinking about, you know, a, not too long ago in our family, we were dealing with some mental health. Well, we were dealing with mental health crisis and... Just, you know, some days I felt real, I thought to myself like, oh my God, I am way too enmeshed in this. Like her pain is my pain. And I didn't really know how, but I also recognized, like, okay, but I'm having a parallel experience being the parent of a child who is suffering. Sure. So it was really interesting to kind of play with that like where is the line and i'm sure there's no like well the line is right here <laughs> but <laughs> what was- is it like like wh- how? how what are some indicators i guess that we've crossed over from like yes of course you're my child and i love you and you're hurting and that is painful for me into like overly enmeshed and I can't handle my discomfort. So I got to make sure your discomfort goes away so that I feel better. Like, where's the, what are the indicators?
0: You know, I was on Cat um, and Nat's podcast a couple weeks ago, and actually they gave a great example of this that I'll share with you guys. Great. They were talking about how one of their sons was going through a really difficult time at school. Mm-hmm. And it was something that was like incredibly, you know, painful. And one of the mothers, said, you know, I I was feeling so much from it. And so I went, what I realized is that, you know, I'm having a lot of feelings and I need to kind of separate from this right now. And so she, she allowed herself space to go into her bathroom and cry and just like Mm -hmm. really feel into what she was feeling about it. And of course that is completely normal and appropriate, right? Like we're going to have feelings like that when, when we're seeing our children struggle. And when she was able to kind of get herself back together and then speak to her son, her son made a comment to her about it. When she was talking to him, like, you know, mom, it's really okay. You know, these things happen when, when you're, you know, this age and, and he was just so like mature about it and the way he was handling it was so well. And so in that moment she realized like, Oh my God, like the feelings that are going on here are all really all about me. And mm-hmm. not really about him and what, you know, they're not, I, I'm like projecting my feelings onto him, but they're not actually his feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so she was able to separate from that and recognize that it wasn't his stuff, it was hers. And then when she could feel the feelings and then come back to him after she had like done some releasing and processing, she could hold space for him in a way that wasn't entangled with her emotional reaction to it. Does that... Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And
1: I and I am, I'm gonna like dig in a little bit here, mostly because you mentioned your, the group of parents that you worked with, with teens that yeah. are dealing with mental health. Cause I have people in my community who, you know are having to call crisis lines or, yeah. you know have kids that are needing to, you know go into mental health facilities and be supported. And i my heart is just like so tender yeah. for those parents. And I'm just like in that kind of situation, and I know that's extreme. And I always, ugh, it's funny because when people are like, what about, let me give you the worst case scenario, give me the answers. I'm totally doing that to you right now. Um, <laughs> it's okay. And, and yes, like making time for ourselves, finding space. But then even as we make time for ourselves and find space, like, what is that, what does that look, what does that processing look like as we sit with, you know just really intense things that our kids that our teens are going through
0: you know i i think it depends of course on the experience and and what it means for every one of us to make space for ourselves i think of course can look different it's not always yeah. crying in the bathroom but it's great that even the people that you're talking about are obviously getting support from your community. And the Mm -hmm. people that I was talking about were getting support within a a group of similar people. And so for me, that's one of like the key elements, like going to other adults that are going through similar challenges or or can just understand and empathize with you is like one of the best ways that you can process and move through the feelings that you're Mm -hmm. experiencing you know, um, because without, without having a support like that, oh my God, you're going to go crazy in some of these like challenging situations, you know? So I think, and, and also just to say your spouse or your, you know, your partner can't necessarily be that person for you. So if that's who you're relying on, I think that's a little limited. Like I, Mm -hmm. I would suggest to the people listening to continue developing community outside of, you know, family members, because they're in it with you. So they're then having their own reaction to it. And then, you know, you may, particularly if you're codependent, like myself, you may then feel like, oh my God, I need to manage their experience of this too. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't really help provide space for you to go through your feelings and, you know, process on it.
1: Well, and I love that you just referenced yourself as codependent, like you, and I want everyone to catch that, you know, like we, are whether it's a controlling temperament or a codependent temperament or whatever. These are all like ongoing day to day. I know this about myself. So I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to be extra aware of how I'm showing up because I know that I tend to X, Y, and Z. Thank you for modeling that, Alana. Um, And I love that you've brought it back to community. I think that it's so easy because we don't, especially the, parents of tweens and teens. It's not like when they're little and we just broadcast like, oh my God, potty training, what a pain, you know, (laughs) or like, or whatever, you know, once they become teenagers, one, they, you know, there's a certain level of privacy for them, of course, Mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of, well, the word shame comes up Mm. for parents. Like maybe our kids aren't the valedictorian or aren't the top athlete and aren't, you know, posting on Facebook on signing day to say where our kids are going to college. Maybe our kids aren't going to college. Maybe, you know, like... Right. right. And there's this, like, held belief about what it should look like. And if... And so many... I mean, and what I find, because I am an external processor and I do find my people and talk about my stuff, Mm -hmm. and what I find is more likely than not, people are relating more with my story than this ideal story. Right which is really interesting.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that, that to me is like one of the sad facts of our society is that we don't often like tell the truth and and the honest stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And I just hope that with those of us who are willing to like be brave enough to come forward and say, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with, or, you know, this is what my kid is going through and, and I'm, I'm having a really tough time. And, Um, It makes me feel this way, you know, whatever that is, that it normalizes it for the true majority of us that are all feeling that way, actually, but nobody wants to say it because we're, we're kind of programmed not to, you know?
1: Right. Right. And coming back to our kids having a hard time. I mean, it is, it's, we love them so much and it is really hard to be, with their hurt and their pain and their discomfort, even when we know in our heads, I think there's our head and then there's our heart, right? Even when we know in our head that it's part of the process of growing the tools that they need to navigate what is very you know, typically just part a part of life. Right. What tips or ideas do you have for parents listening to support them in allowing the feelings that are showing up for their kids?
0: Sure. So I think what you just said is actually really important. What I the reason that um, I named my book "Raising Empowered Children" is because actually, when we try to control or fix for our children or get them not feeling the feelings they're feeling, we actually disempower them. We actually take away some of their resiliency and their ability to move through difficult situations. So what my suggestion off the bat for those of you listening is to think about how doing some of the things that feel really loving can actually take away some of our children's agency. Mm -hmm. And what can actually be really loving is helping them by taking a step back and not trying to control the situation and just supporting them, being empathic, acknowledging and validating the difficulty of what they're going through. You know, like for example, and this is a small example, but the other day when my daughter got out of school, she started telling me about something that had happened with a friend of hers. And then she told me about something else that happened that was negative. And, you know, of course, like my inclination is like, oh, like, you know, I, <laughs> that's terrible. I don't want her to, you know, I don't want her to feel that way. And then I'm thinking, you know, of course, like the codependent part of me wants to, should I talk to the teacher about, you know, who do I need to talk to? (laughs) Right, And then, you know, I stopped and I said, "Um, sounds like you had a tough day. And she said, yeah. And then that was it. And I think why that felt so significant is that I didn't try to change it. I didn't try to get as much information as I could so that I knew exactly which, what was going on. And so I could feel like I could control it in some way. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I just acknowledged the experience and also was showing her that if she wanted to talk more about it with me, she absolutely could. I'd be happy to hear it, but I also acknowledge that she can have some privacy around it too. And so, you know, what I would say in terms of tips is Finding this balance where, you know, you're being supportive, you're listening, but you're not like encroaching on, on your children. And so not, not trying to ask questions that perhaps have an agenda to them. Like, you know, think about like, what is this question about? Is it me trying to get them to get somewhere or feel something and just acknowledging it, like acknowledging the feelings, acknowledging like, yeah, it seems like you're really upset. Yeah. It seems like you're really frustrated, you know, whatever it is that they're going through, just letting it be whatever it is and not then saying, okay, and what can we do about it? Or how can we change that? Um, Maybe just giving them a hug, you know, or just sitting next to them while they're crying and going through it and just, and just being quiet in that moment, you know, so that they can really, because what that allows for them is to feel safe with you. Mm-hmm. That they can share something and that you're not going to, you know, take it somewhere that they they really don't feel comfortable or they don't want it, want it to go.
1: Something that came up in our journey is, and it's funny because I get this like directly from my mom, is when, you know, we went through a period of time where depression really kind of took hold and you know, being there, holding space for her and then offering like, how about you just take a walk? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just do a little yoga? Mm-hmm. You know, and and thinking like, God, I'm, I'm really supportive and I'm hearing her and she's feeling seen. And what came out, we did a whole DBT. My listeners have heard me talk about DBT like 500 times. <laughs> we did a DBT program together. And one of the things that came up when we talked about validating versus invalidating is how invalidating it was when i would list off a Mm. bunch of activities that would somehow cure right you know like that was the the experience that she had of me was like and then there was the list of all the things i should be doing that i couldn't bring myself to do which only made me feel worse right
0: right (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's so, you know, obviously like you're coming from such a loving place saying that, and that's like, that's the tough part. It's like, it's not, we're not being cruel or malicious in any way, but, but what our children feel from us is like, you have an agenda for me. You want me to do this thing or feel this way. And like, that's not really what I'm looking for in terms of support,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, as I was listening to you, I, and especially when you said, like, "Who? Wh- which teacher should I talk to? So my, my <laughs> daughter is 18 and she's in yeah. an esthetician program yeah. and and she's thriving and having such a good time. And even, you know, and it's full of adults. Like it's right. not a it's an, like an adult. Th- it's like college, you know, and my desire to like Pull the teacher aside and just simply say like, you're creating a great classroom environment and I'm really appreciating. Like, I really want to gush to her. Uh, uh (laughs) And I have that voice in my head saying like, Case, rein it in. That would not be appropriate, (laughs) you know? And I, I, you know, I remember balking at hearing about how more over the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, how more and more parents are getting, you know, all up in the business of college professors and stuff and feeling like, oh my God, how could they? And I'm completely resonating. I'm like, oh, that's how they could.
0: Right. Exactly. You know, I will say to you just on a funniest side, anytime I say to myself, how could that happen? I I end up in that situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's how it happens. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's why.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, that that really brings up the point. Like with to go back to the tips thing that you had asked, like I think just being specific with your children and saying like do you want me to give you suggestions? Yes. Gives them a feeling of empowerment because then they can say yes or no. Yes. Right? Like then they're like no, actually I don't want your suggestions. Like okay, then I have to, you know, shut up and walk away. And so that just it's such a slight change but it really changes the dynamic and the, and the feeling for your child around their ability to kind of control where things go.
1: Right. And I think something that's super key there is asking, but asking from a really neutral place, right? Which right. can feel really vulnerable because there's a 50-50 chance or more, if you have a teenager, that they'll say, mm-hmm. nope. And we get to be you know, humble enough to say, okay, great. Well, I'm available if and when you wanna talk.
0: You know, and that's the thing. I mean, all of this stuff is so difficult for us as parents, right? Like- right. <laughs> Ego <impossible>. is real. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, you know, and particularly if we came from parents who either very much told us what to do and how to be or were perhaps neglectful, like either extreme can can make us want to be really in our children's lives in a way that is, you know, negative for them at the end of the day, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Will you help out? Those parents that are listening who are going through that period of time, not everybody goes through this, but I see it a lot in my community. It's usually around like the 14, 15 years where the teens are just so closed off and can start to become really resistant to relationship and engaging with the family. Plus, context of pandemic. I mean, there's, you know, no blame to throw around here. It just kind of, and brain development, I mean, there's all the things, right? And it's really tough to live with it as the parent who just wants to be engaged with their teens. What are some ways that we can be with our kids that work? And I mean work, like not like that make them kids that are totally engaged, but like how, Mm -hmm. what are some ideas that you offer your clients around how to be in relationship with someone who lives under the same roof, but doesn't seem to really want to be near you <laughs> million dollar question yeah, there you yeah. go alana
0: <laughs> oh my god it's so tough there's so much going on um you know i, I would say first of all don't personalize it
1: yes thank you <laughs>
0: um your your kids still love you so you know even if it feels like they hate you or maybe they've even told you they hate you you know they they don't actually they actually love you and they want to be connected to you But there's different developmental times where they need to separate. Mm -hmm. And if you can put your own feelings aside, you do have a better chance of connecting with your child because they won't feel like here's where here's where codependency comes back in again. When our child feels like they need to take care of our feelings, they're likely to they're more likely to reject us or do it, but in a way where they're actually resenting us or like sacrificing a part of themselves. So, you know, I would actually rather that your child is not speaking to you and trying to find space and figure themselves out, than they are, you know, doing what you want, because they're trying to take care of your feelings rather than acknowledging what they want. And and I know that that sounds, it's tough, you know, but Mm -hmm you have to just let them move through it. You you have to put it, this is, again, you have to put aside your own feelings and, and not ignore them. Like, again, go to your supports, cry it out, do what you need to do to feel it, and then come back together and continue to just love your child in the way that they want to be loved, not necessarily in the way that you want to love them.
1: Do you think it's okay to offer, you know, tenderly short and sweet, you know, I see you, I love you. And just know that I'm here for whatever you need and then kind of turn and burn. Like, can we just drop those in here and there?
0: Absolutely. As long as it's not too often. Okay. Okay. Not daily. (laughs) <laughs>
1: not daily. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. That's good to know. That's good as to know. As long as
0: it's not, and I miss you in there, which kind of can sound, which has an agenda For to. me, yeah, 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 you yeah. Know, Like our our kids feel that from us. It's like, oh God, you know, get off of me. Like, yes. you know, that's really what they're feeling. Um, So that's why I said, you know, not the daily thing because it's just it's too much. Yeah.
1: You know,
0: every every I'll give you a couple of days that you could do it, or once a week maybe. But then it's like, put it aside because then it really is more about you than it is about your kid.
1: Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Ready. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust, and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Well, and as we're talking about this, I'm also thinking like the more we, if they're having a hard time or navigating something and we're like right there, like, I love you, I'm here for you, I'm available, like Mm -hmm. there's an urgency and a frantic energy that comes along with this. And I wonder too, if that also translates to, whoa, my parent can't deal, maybe I can't deal, I must not be okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it sends a message to our child exactly what you're saying. Like, you're not OK. You can't handle this on your own. Like, you need me. You know, all of the stuff that we actually don't, we don't want our kids to think. We've, if you can learn to become more at peace with it and have mm-hmm. more confidence in your children's ability to move through things, mm-hmm. they will feel also more able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, of course, again, it's like, it's not that simple. This is really difficult stuff, but that's where the support comes in, where you can like let it out. And then you come back and you're like, okay, they got this. And I, I have to keep reminding myself, like they got this, they can do it. Yeah. I believe in them, you know, and reminding ourselves about that so that we can keep bringing that energy into it rather than the fearful, oh my God, what's going to happen. Right. You know? Right. Right.
1: Well, and I've been really trying to like capture that sentiment, you know, mostly because people come and find me when they're in the muck, right, with their teens. So those are my people. And I've been there. So they know that I'm familiar with the muck. And, you know, having kind of come to another side of a few really hard years and looking back and realizing all of the gifts that came out of the struggle and the learning and the growth for for the whole family Mm -hmm. you know and trying to hold a space of you know this and it's very coachy right to say like this is happening for you and i don't want to minimize how hard things are but to support parents in recognizing like adversity comes in so many ways and Mm -hmm you know there is so much to grow and develop into through the journey of adversity and while none of us want our kids to suffer some suffering is so powerful in their character development right right and what i'm hearing you and like what i'm hearing you say really aligns with with what i'm trying and i can't quite find the right words to use but just this like the way that we are in response to our teens' ebbs and flows and high peaks and deep valleys matters so much to how our teens actually navigate those peaks and valleys.
0: Absolutely. They're looking to us like we're their guide, you know. Yeah. They they want to know that they're safe and they're going to be okay. And I think, you know, although we can't fully guarantee that, we can show them what it looks like to move through something and, and, and be, you know, okay enough, you know, Um, doesn't mean they have to be great. Doesn't mean we have to be great, but if we can try to be stable enough for them, they'll feel it.
1: Yeah. And we increase the likelihood that it's an optimal outcome basically. Yeah. And that's a hard one, right? Like there's no guarantee (laughs) everyone, no spoiler alert, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, you know all we can do is increase the likelihood that our kids grow into well balanced mentally stable contributing members of society but you know there's no guarantee so how we respond is where our influence lies and in being in, in one of the things that i talk a lot about is the relationship and i mean that's all caught up in codependency is all about relationship gone wrong
4: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right i mean that's right right
0: Yes. guess, yeah, That's a good
1: way to say it. <laughs> um, so, but, well, I don't know if I need to ask this question. So I want to drive this home for people because I think that for a variety of reasons, we want to fix the problems that are showing up. And can you talk a little bit about, and we've kind of covered it, but maybe you could say it in a different way because I think it's such an important concept to land for people,
4: Mm -hmm.
1: what actually happens for our teens when they get to ride through their challenges, knowing that their parent is going to support them no matter what, meaning if they're chipper and engaged or not.
0: Right. I think that your kids are going through a period where they're really developing their sense of self, right? And When they can move through that and feel your support without enmeshment, feel your support and your empathy and understanding and validation, there's a sense of confidence. There's a sense of trust in oneself that develops that is really important and key for our children as they move into adulthood. We want them to feel like you got this, Mm -hmm. you can do it. You know, life will be difficult at times, and you can weather the storm. And when they have that like strong foundation, right? Like that is what will help them when these difficulties inevitably arise down the road in life, not necessarily have to, you know, completely crumble or, you know, feel. Like they can't cope because mm-hmm. they' they've never learned how to cope, or you know we want to we want to provide those skills. We want to help them be resilient throughout the rest of their life. And that's really the key here, you know, because, as a therapist, I work with a lot of young adults, and a lot of them don't have that stable foundation. And so they really don't have they don't have a strong sense of self. They don't feel confident. And so they're struggling right? Like they're struggling to figure out who am I and can I move through life's difficulties? Okay. And I think, you know, it becomes so much harder as an adult to develop those skills than if you develop them earlier in life. Yeah. It becomes more of like, you're talking about parents that reach out in crisis. It's like you don't you wish they reached out proactively? Right. <laughs> and like, you know, it's like oh my god how different things would be. And yeah, if we could only all do that life would be amazing. But truly, the earlier and the harder that you work on this, the more likely your child has a chance of growing into what you're talking about, that per- that contributing member of society who feels good about themselves and feels good about life.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love just thinking about the teen years as, you know, it's the training ground. It's where they get to flex. We have to give them the opportunity to be in a space of sovereignty if we want them to develop into sovereign people, right? We have to give them the opportunity to flex and grow their resiliency muscles if we want them to be resilient adults. Absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) So good. (laughs) So much work. though. (laughs) So much work. (laughs) So much much personal growth and development. I always laugh about that on this podcast. It's like, surprise, you get to grow as a human through parenting your children. (laughs) Oh, my God, on a daily basis, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else you want to make sure to share with listeners before we wrap up, Alana?
0: I just want to acknowledge anyone who's listening, because the fact that you're listening to this means that you know, you care enough to be a good, good enough parent. I talk about the good enough parent in my book. Um, and you know, that, that I acknowledge you for, I always, I think the parents who come into therapy or come into any support group looking for help, I'm just like, Oh, wonderful. Good for you. Because that shows that, that you're willing to do some of the difficult work and that will show in how you parent.
1: Yes. What does joyful courage mean to you?
0: I love that. I love this phrase that you have. Um, you know, for me, it's exactly what we're talking about. It's it's pushing yourself to grow in these uncomfortable ways and doing it, knowing that that's kind of what brings joy into life, actually bring what mm-hmm. it's what will bring joy into your relationships with your children um, and others, of course, by pushing out of your comfort zone and taking a look at yourself.
1: Mm, I love that. Tell us again where we can find you and follow your work.
0: So you can follow me on Instagram. I'm the codependent perfectionist. As Casey mentioned, um, you can also find my book um, on Amazon, Raising Empowered Children, the Codependent Perfectionist Guide to Parenting. And finally, you can find me on my website, which is, um, you can either just type in the codependentperfectionist.com or alanacarvalo.com.
1: Perfect awesome.
0: Well, thank you so
1: much for spending time with me today. This was really awesome.
0: Thanks, Casey. It was great to speak with you.
1: Okay. Thanks again for listening. If you feel inspired and you haven't already, will you please do me a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? We're working hard to stand out and make a massive impact on families around the globe. Your review helps joyful courage to be seen by ever more parents seen and listened to. Notes for today's show can be found on my website, joyfulcourage.com podcast 295. Big thanks to my amazing daughter Rowan for getting those notes and links together for all of you. And huge gratitude to my podcast editor, Chris Mann, from Podshaper for everything he does to keep the show sounding so amazing for your ears. That's it from me this week. I encourage you all to practice finding your breath, following it into your body, taking the balcony seat, and trusting that everything's gonna be okay. Love you.
4: Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.